Journey to Pentecost, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. On this day, the 40th day after Great and Holy Pascha, we commemorate the Feast of the Ascension of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. The feast commemorates when on the 40th day after his resurrection, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives, and after blessing them and asking them to wait for the fulfilment of the promise of the Holy Spirit, he ascended into heaven. Marius Passas will explore the significance of this feast through the various hymns and sermons of our Church Fathers. Thomae Kustis will join us to reflect on the significance of the life of St. John the Russian, celebrated by the Church on the 27th of May. We'll also play you hymns chanted by the Sydney School of Byzantine Music, along with Greek traditional songs sung by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. This is The Journey to Pentecost. The Ascension, with Marios Passas, group leader at the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. Dear friends, today we venerate the feast day of the Ascension on which a human nature in our Lord Jesus Christ is raised above all the host of heaven, over all the ranks of angels, beyond the height of all powers, to sit with God the Father. The feast day of the Ascension is described briefly in the Bible. In order to fully explore the cosmic significance of the event and its perspective from humanity, the angels, the apostles and the Theotokos, we are going to draw from various hymns and sermons of our Church Fathers. Today, Christ, the giver of life, taking those whom he loves, ascends the Mount of Olives, and after blessing them, rides on a cloud and comes to the Father's bosom, which he had never left. Today, we are given two promises. Firstly, we experience the joy of the promise of the Holy Spirit. The apostles cry out to Christ not to leave them behind on their own, not to make them orphans, but as he promised, to send them his all-Holy Spirit. Christ himself told the disciples, If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Today, therefore, the foundations are set. Heaven receives the Holy Body, and the earth gets ready to accept the Holy Spirit in return. Today, we are also given the promise of his second coming. The angel 
tells the apostles, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? This is Christ, God, who is taken up from you into heaven. He will come again in the same way that you have seen him going to heaven. Serve him in holiness and justice. Today, the apostles, as they see the Saviour being raised up, cry out with fear, Glory to you, our King! Today, Christ is like the bird which flies ahead towards a warmer climate, showing the way, while the rest of the flock follows after. He has told us, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will receive you unto myself. Christ, therefore, disperses the darkness, cuts through the heavy atmosphere between earth and heaven, and opens the way to the flock behind. He rises up to heaven on spiritual wings to the throne of eternal glory. Today, Christ ascends to the Father, yet He does not go away, but stays with the faithful forever. Christ is taken up in glory, in no way divided, but remaining inseparable, crying to those who love Him, I am always with you. Christ ascends to His Father, who is without beginning, yet He was never parted from His Father's bosom. Today, the lover of humankind exalts and glorifies the human nature. This human nature, which had fallen by corruption, is now raised up. Christ raises up on His shoulders the human nature which had been led astray, the human nature which had been slain by sin. Human nature is raised from earth to heaven, from corruption to incorruption. Although we were alienated and hostile in our intent, we are now reconciled to God the Father. Now our nature is worshipped in the heavens by every creature, seen and unseen. Today, Christ grants immortality to all of us. Paradise now opens up, and we are now confirmed as its possessors. Today the heavens have prepared the throne. The heavenly doors are opened, and the heavens are filled with joy. And heaven accepts Him who holds heaven within Himself. He ascends towards heaven on a cloud, a symbol of heaven. Christ who is himself light, fulfills what the prophet Isaiah said, The Lord sits upon a light cloud. He hastens back to the Father, He who in the words of King David makes the clouds his chariot. Today the bodiless powers are saying, Who is this man of beauty? Seeing Christ bearing the divine marks of his precious passion, they also cry out, why are his garments red? The angels are perplexed and say to one another, What is this sight? Human he seems in form, yet as God he ascends with a body far above the heavens. They exclaim, He is not man only, but both God and man. They see the mediator between God and humankind in the highest with his flesh. They with one voice sing a hymn of victory. Today the cherubim are amazed as they contemplate Christ, the God who sits above them ascending on the clouds. The heavenly ranks 
of the bodiless powers, amazed by the wonder, are beside themselves with fear. They are seized with trembling, and they magnify the love of Christ for humankind. Today, the angelic powers cry out to the angels above them, Lift up the heavenly gates, for Christ, our King, whose praise we sing, wearing his earthly body, is at hand. David, hundreds of years earlier, inspired by God, cries out in his song, The Lord has gone up to the heavenly places with a shout of joy and the blast of the trumpet and comes to the Father, the source of light. Today, the devil is in tears. All his plans are now destroyed. He sees above those who were dead below. He sees him whom he delivered to the cross below, beheld in the heavens. He sees the heavenly powers all gathered together to say, Open the gates, our princes, and the King of glory shall enter. And others saying in reply, The Lord, strong and mighty in war. Which war? The one against the common enemy of all men. Today we hail the Mother of God, she who had suffered so greatly as a mother at the Passion of Christ, is now filled with joy beyond measure at the glory of His flesh. Today we, who are unworthy of earthly dominion, have been raised to the kingdom on high. We have come to occupy the King's throne. The Lord not only opens to us the entrance to heaven, not only appears before the face of God on our behalf, but likewise transfers us to the high places. He honors us by putting us close to the Father, as St. Paul says, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Therefore, today the universe is filled with gladness, the earth keeps festival and dances, heaven rejoices, the whole world, visible and invisible, keeps the feast, Angels and humans leap for joy, the priests praise, and the people highly exalt to all the ages. We sing a song of victory to Christ, for He has been glorified. Today, let us rejoice with spiritual joy, let us with gladness pay God worthy thanks. Let us raise the eyes of our hearts unimpeded to those heights where Christ is. We have heard the call to be uplifted. Therefore, let us not be pressed down by earthly affections. We are foreordained to things eternal. Therefore, let us not be taken up with the things that perish. We have entered on the way of truth. Therefore, let us not be entangled in deceitful snares. Today, abandoning on earth the things of earth, let us come to our senses and raise on high our eyes and minds. Let us imagine we are standing on the Mount of Olives and that we stare on our Lord Jesus Christ as He rides up on a cloud. Let us give majesty to God. Let us cry aloud with one accord. Let us sing, let us dance, and let us clap our hands. Our God has gone up from earth to heaven. Come, let us keep festival and let us cry out. You His works. Praise the Lord and highly exalt Him to all the ages. Amen.
the life of Saint John the Russian with Thomae Kustas, member of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. Saint John the Russian of Evia, also referred to as the Holy Confessor, was born around 1690 in a village in southern Russia of pious Orthodox parents. He was raised in piety and love for the Church and God. As a young man, he served as a soldier in the army of Peter I, taking part in the Russo-Turkish War. During this time, the young John was taken prisoner by the Turks who sold him to a Turkish cavalry officer who lived in Prokopion in Asia Minor, near Caesarea of Cappadocia. The Turks tried to convert the Christian soldiers to their Muslim beliefs with threats and flattery. Those who resisted were beaten and tortured. Many denied Christ becoming Muslim to improve their living conditions. The young John, being nurtured from childhood in the instruction and admonition of the Lord, never swayed by the promise of earthly delights and bravely endured the humiliation and beatings at the hands of his master. John, in a bold confession of faith, said to his master, You cannot turn me away from my holy faith by threats, nor with promises of riches and pleasures. If you leave me free in my religion, I will obey your orders willingly. I would rather surrender my head to you than to change my faith. I was born a Christian, and I shall die a Christian. The saint's bold words and firm faith, as well as his humility and meekness, softened the heart of his master. In an incredible turn of events, John was left in peace, without further threats from his Muslim master. He was kept by his master in a stable to care for his animals. John thanked God for being deemed worthy to have as a bed a manger, like the one in which our Lord had at his birth. From morning until the late evening, as promised by John in his confession of faith, he would serve his Turkish master, fulfilling all his commands. He performed his duties in the winter cold and the summer heat, half naked and barefoot. He would be frequently mocked by the other slaves who saw his great zeal. But the saint never angered with them. Instead, he would help them when he could. After some time, the master offered him a small room to sleep. However, John refused and chose to continue to sleep in his beloved stable, living life of asceticism. At night, the stable was filled with the prayers of the saint and the smell of the animals would become one of sweet, spiritual fragrance. The saint would leave the stable at night and visit the church of the great martyr George, where he would keep vigil in the narthex. On Saturdays and feast days, he would receive the holy mysteries of Christ. John brought many blessings to the household of his master. His master became rich and was soon one of the most powerful men 
in Prokopion. The master knew very well why his home had been blessed. During this time, his master left Prokopion to make pilgrimage to Mecca. While the master was away, his wife invited her husband's relatives and held a banquet at their home so that they may pray for his safe return from his journey. Blessed John served the table in the master's favourite dish, pilaf. The master's wife exclaimed to John, How much pleasure your master would have if he were here now to eat this pilaf with us. John asked for a dish of pilaf, saying that he would send it to his master in Mecca. The guests laughed at him when they heard his words. The mistress, however, ordered the cook to give him a dish of pilaf, thinking that he would eat it himself or give it to some poor family. Taking the dish, St. John went into the stable and prayed that God would send it to his master. In his simplicity, the blessed John had faith that God would perform this miracle. Indeed, the plate of food vanished before John's very eyes. He then returned to the dining room and told the mistress that he had sent the pilaf to his master. After some time, the master returned from Mecca. To the amazement of the household, he brought with him the very copper plate that had held the food from the banquet. Only the blessed John was not surprised. The master told the household, As I was returning from the great mosque to the house where I stayed, I found a plate filled with pilaf on the table in a room that I had locked. I stood pondering, who could have brought it? Not knowing how to explain the mystery, I examined the plate of steaming pilaf. I saw, with amazement, that my name was engraved in the copper just as all such vessels in our house. The entire household marvelled. The wife told the master how John had asked for the plate, saying that he would send it to Mecca, and how they had all laughed. This miracle was soon made known to the whole village and surrounding areas, and from then John was considered righteous and beloved of God. His master entreated him to leave the stable and occupy a more comfortable dwelling. Even so, John refused and continued to live as an ascetic, labouring as before to care for the animals and eagerly obeying the commands of his master. John continued to approach his life with fasting and prayer. Falling ill at the age of 40, he lay on the straw in the stable. Foreseeing his end, John called for a priest and asked to partake of the Immaculate Mysteries. The priest, being afraid of the Turks, took an apple and dug out the core and lined the cavity with beeswax, placing the precious gifts inside, which he then took to John so that he may partake of Holy Communion. After receiving the Immaculate Body and Blood of the Lord, on the 27th of May, 1730, John surrendered his soul.
out of respect for the Blessed John, the Master summoned the priests and gave the body of St. John for Christian burial. Almost all the Christian inhabitants of Procopion attended the funeral. After three years had passed, the priest was informed in a dream that the relics of St. John had remained incorrupt. They were exhumed and the relics of the saint were transferred to the church of the holy great martyr George and placed in a special reliquary. Here, the new saint of God began to be glorified by countless miracles of grace. They were venerated not only by Orthodox Christians, but also by Armenians and even the Turks who prayed to the saint. Servant of God, in your mercy, do not disdain us. In 1924, an exchange of populations between the Greeks and the Turks took place. The inhabitants of Prokopion were moved to the island of Evia in Greece. They took with them the relics of St. John the Russian. After some time, the relics were transferred into a new church dedicated to the saint. It is here where thousands of pilgrims flock to venerate his relics to this day. The relics of St. John have been attributed to many miracles. In particular, in a miraculous fashion, the sacred relic of the saint would change sides on its own. St. Iacovos of Evia, a great saint of our times, loved St. John greatly. Although St. Iacovos would rarely leave his monastery, he would make an exception only to visit the shrine of St. John the Russian. On one of St. Iacovos's visits, he witnessed this particular miracle. The others who were present also were shocked and afraid, but St. Iacovos reassured them, saying, My Christians, do not be afraid. The saint is alive and is simply changing sides. There is so much that we can learn from the life of St. John the Russian. Despite being the slave of a Muslim master, St. John humbly offered himself in obedience in his daily work. By doing this, he gave witness to the love of Christ and in turn saw him gain the respect of his master and all of those around him. How often in our own work, within our daily lives, are we given the opportunity to serve others? Do we accept this opportunity as one that shares Christ's love to those around us, or do we grudgingly complete tasks out of mere obligation? Saint John's witness shows us that regardless of our position or title, age, or status, we are each called to represent Christ and become beacons of light through a humble and pure example. He that has called you from earth unto the heavenly abodes does even after your death keep your body unharmed, O righteous one. For you carried off as a prisoner to Asia where also, O John, you won Christ as your friend. Therefore do you beseech him that our souls be saved. Amen.